him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I got saved. Amen. Tell them again, say, I got saved. Amen. You can be seated today. Thank the Lord. Thank you, choir musicians. Amen. Well, it's a wonderful day to be a Christian, a wonderful day to be on our way to heaven. Amen. Turn in your Bibles today to John chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. John chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. We do have uh, some guests and visitors here today. I see you. I'm glad that you're here. And it makes my uh, day uh, to see you always. And if we've got any new uh, guests today, thank you for being here. If it's your first time, if you'll see me after church, i got a gift for you out there. It's a pen that when you mash the top of it, it lights up. It's absolutely wonderful. It, you can use it as a flashlight. Uh, some people have been known to turn out all the lights in the bathroom and take two of those pens and stick them up their nose lighted and it makes their nose look like Rudolph the Red Nose. Yeah, some people have been known to do that kind of thing, but, but they're idiots. You know, I found out the difference between friends, acquaintances, friends, and family. You know what the difference is? Acquaintances are surprised when you act like an idiot, right? Friends expect you to act like an idiot. And family knows you're not acting, right? So it's good to be with family today. John chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? I want to preach to you today on the subject, do you want to? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we need you at this very moment. Now, Lord, I found out a long time ago that my words are not sufficient, even if they're good words. Lord, even when I'm speaking your word, it takes the same Holy Ghost of God that moved upon the writers to pen these words, to move upon our lips and move upon our hearts and our ears today. God, I'm praying that the word of God would be mixed with faith today and would make an eternal difference in our lives. And we ask it and thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you just lift your hand and thank the Lord for the reading of his word today? Amen. Amen. How many has ever listened to Jeff Foxworthy? Jeff Foxworthy made millions of dollars by putting his finger on what it means to be a redneck. He and Larry the cable guy had it down. One of the things Jeff Foxworthy was famous for was those redneck words. Anybody remember that a few years ago, those redneck words? Words like jeet, right? And words like it, right? And words like want to. And so he would say, jeet yet? No, did you? No, you want to? Aight, right? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about today is that want to. There's a want to that has to take place. At the pool of Bethesda, 
There was a, a pool that serviced Jerusalem there. I've been a couple of times to those ruins. It was a huge pool. It had five porches around it. And at that uh, place, there were all kinds of, of lame people, sick people, uh, halt, withered, and they were all waiting for the moving of the water. They were waiting for the troubling of the water. I've always been surprised every time I go out to the country cabin that out in the middle of nowhere in a cow pasture, there's all these crowds of people that know how to get there. Aside from one little hard to see sign, there's not much advertisement. I don't know that I've ever seen a printed advertisement in the newspaper. I'm not sure I've ever heard it on the radio. There's not much uh, advertisement, but for years and years and years, I don't know how many years, Country Cabin always has a crowd on the weekend for the word of mouth. And there was a great crowd of people there at the pool. The word of mouth had spread, and they were there for one reason. They were there for opportunity. The word opportunity comes to us from two Latin words. It means toward the port. Opportunity is that that gets us or is perceived to get us where we want to go. And they were people there that were in need of healing, and they knew that at a certain season, the Scripture says, an angel went down into that pool and troubled the water, and whoever was first stepped into that water was made whole of whatever disease they had. And there was a man that was there who had been there 38 years. In fact, later on, he'll say to Jesus, every time the water's trouble, I can't get there fast enough. Every time the water's trouble, somebody steps down in, uh, in front of me. I'm not able to make it. And so he was there at the place of opportunity, but he was not able to seize opportunity. But on that day, on this year, it was different because Jesus was there. And when he could not seize opportunity, opportunity seized him. Jesus saw him and knew he'd been now a long time in that case. And Jesus seeing that went to him, but when he saw him there, Jesus asked him what uh, at the uh, uh, cursory view would be. It was kind of a ridiculous question. If you had been coming to a place, probably for all 38 years that he had been in that situation, you'd been coming to that place where there was healing available, where was, there was the opportunity to be made well, you would think it would be a ridiculous question for Jesus to ask, do you want to be made whole or do you want to be well? What was he doing there if he didn't want to be made well? It seems like it's a kind of a, a, a question that makes no sense. It doesn't fit. Why would you ask somebody, do you want to be made well? Well, I learned that you can be at the right place and you can be at the right place at the right time but if you're at the right place at the right time, but you don't have the right attitude, it's not going to do you any good. That you don't have the right motive, it's not going to work. Now, you're in church today. You're in the right place. We started service at 11 o'clock. You were here at the right time. But what you get out of it today is solely dependent not on being in the right place. You're here. Not at being here at the right time. You're at the right time. It's whether or not you've got the right heart. It's whether you've got the right attitude. It's whether you've got an openness to what the Spirit of God wants to do in and through your life. There was a little boy that was praying to the Lord one day, and he said, Lord, if you can't make me a, a good little boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a pretty good time like I am. And there are many people that have that idea. The water was troubled at a certain season, but there are people that will run away from the troubled water. Did you know that? 
We've had people visit this church and visit this church for quite a while, come pretty regularly. And I've seen the Spirit of God grip them and get a hold of them and draw them. And they've become very emotional. And after that, they leave and never come back. And when asked why, they say, because I don't like that feeling of being out of control. I don't, I don't like that feeling of needing something beyond myself. There are people that will run away from the troubled water. There are people that will come just to get splashed by the troubled water. They want a little emotional uplift. They, they want to feel better about their situation, better about their circumstance. They don't want to get in the water. They don't want life to change, but they want to feel better about where they are. There are other people that don't come to get splashed. They come to make a splash. They want to make an impression. They, they want to uh, be seen and be heard. It's kind of like, has anybody ever been to SeaWorld? If you've ever been to SeaWorld, you can kind of identify at SeaWorld what you have sometimes in the church. There are people, forgive me for this, guys, but there are people that sit in the back because they don't want to get wet. They want to spectate and see other people get wet. When that big orca whale comes up out of the water and splashes, they don't want to get wet. They just want to see when other people get wet. And then there are people that like to sit up front. They don't want to just be a spectator. They want to be involved. They want to get wet. And they sit up front because they want to get a splash, but yet they don't have the full experience. It's the people that are in the pool that get the full experience. And it's the same way in church. We can sit back and just observe and see other people get blessed, we can sit up close and say, I would like to get a little spray, a little splash every once in a while, but at this altar is the pool, and Sunday after Sunday, and I'm not trying to hurt anybody today, but Sunday after Sunday, we invite people to come to the pool, and there are some people say, I don't think I want that today. It's amazing how you can be at the right place at the right time and not really want to be made well. If you want a treat, go to the emergency room sometime around 8 or 9 o'clock at night. The emergency room is full of people. And there are some people there that are very sick and they really want somebody to make them well. But sadly, there are some people that are there they're not wanting to be made well. They're just wanting a pill to make them feel better. It is so easy to get involved in that. Uh, it's ridiculous to ask somebody who's lame. And I apologize to those people that, are, that suffer uh, from that, and I'm not mocking that in any way. But there's some people that are lame that don't want to be made well. Jesus said, do you want to? Billy Wilson told me the other day, about someone that falls in this category. They don't want to be made well because they enjoy the attention. And he told me about a lady that said to him one time, he was her pastor, and she said to him, if I've got cancer, I want somebody to pray that God will heal me. But if I've got a headache, I believe I'd just rather have the sympathy. And there's some people that would rather have the sympathy that be made well. Some people enjoy the advantage. You say, what advantage could there be? Well, there's the advantage of other people doing for you, other people waiting on you, other people taking the responsibility. 
There are many people, and I, it's a complicated situation. I don't pretend to know all the answer, but I know enough to know this, that sometimes there are people in a homeless situation that are in that situation because they want to avoid the responsibility of life. So the responsibility to feed themselves, clothe themselves, even to house themselves, they would rather that responsibility fall to someone else. I knew of a famous gospel singer and songwriter that his own brother told me this. He said he was sick and, and he was really down and the Lord healed him, but he still kept the handicap sticker on his car because he still wanted the good parking place. I thought to myself, it's a good thing I ain't God, I'd put it back on him. <laughs> I remember Brother Leroy Spivey, who's pastor of this church twice, uh, he told me that someone actually came forward for prayer one time and said, Brother Spivey, I want you to pray that God will help me no longer have back pain. Now, don't pray that God will heal my back. I need the disability check. Just pray that I won't have the pain anymore. Some people enjoy the advantage, and you know I'm talking about more than just physical ailment, don't you? Some people enjoy the association. In other words, their identity has gotten wrapped up in their need. It's gotten wrapped up in their ailment. Naomi, we talked about it last week. Naomi's name meant Sister Pleasant. Then when she had all the tragedy, her husband and her children had died. She came back home and people said, oh, it's Naomi, it's Sister Pleasant. She said, don't call me that. Call me Myra because I'm bitter. The Lord's dealt bitterly with me. There's some people that their identity's all wrapped up in their trouble, in their problems, in their circumstances. I knew one lady that I pastored at one time. She would shout in the back door and come, you know, shout across the front, and she would have a, a good time, and she'd be active in the church for about six months, and then she would get crossways with somebody, get upset, uh, upset and she'd pout, she'd go home, she'd stay gone about six months offended so that somebody would go and pet her a little bit and, you know, say, come on, baby, come back to church. We love you. Come on. She didn't want to be healed of that spirit of offense. That made her who she was. I heard of a long-suffering wife who was married to someone who was unfortunately addicted uh, to drugs, and she was she had gone to church, she prayed, cried every service, prayed for my husband, down in the altar crying and praying. And God saved her husband and delivered him from drugs. And all of a sudden, he started being the spiritual head of the house. He not only wanted to go to church with her, he wanted to go when she didn't want to go. After about six months of him being what she had prayed for years for him to be, she went and bought some cocaine and had it waiting on him when he got home to get him back addicted to drugs because she liked him better as a drug addict than she did on fire for God. There are people that are the long-suffering spouse that that's their identity. They don't know how to be anything else. I hate to say this to you, but both in the physical and in the spiritual, there are people that just simply don't want to be made well. My, my little Papa Peavy, some of you heard me tell this, my little Papa, when he was just a little boy, son of a sharecropper, he was playing uh, baseball with one of these counterweights that were in old windows. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. But there used to be counterweights in, in old wooden windows that is what allowed it to go up. 
and it was about you know this long and it was made out of, of, of iron and he was playing baseball with a little counterweight out of an old window and some rocks and he dropped that counterweight on his big toe. Kind of like a board hitting you side the head. And his toe nail started coming off. And so he had to pick cotton. So he got there in the cotton patch and he said that that toe found every stick, every rock, every root imaginable. And every time it hit that toenail, it just sent, boy, you can feel it, can't you? It just sent just shivers down. And it was making him physically sick. And his older sister, Ernestine, said, Pa, Jake's sick. And he said, boy, are you sick? Now listen, this smart mouth I got is a family heirloom passed down from generation to generation in the PB family. Papa, only about seven or eight years old, all he had to say was, yeah, Pa, I'm sick. He'd have been able to go back home, prop his foot up, but he couldn't help himself. He said, boy, are you sick? He said, yes, sir, I'm sick and tired of this cotton patch. When he did, his daddy uprooted a cotton stalk and wore him out with it. He got a whooping and had to stay in the cotton patch. And there are people that just have not gotten sick and tired of being sick and tired. They're just not there yet. They just don't want to be made whole. Have you ever heard someone say this? They're addicted to alcohol or to drugs or to some form of tobacco or anything else. Me, I'm struggling with an addiction to fried chicken. <laughs> I don't want to be made well. <laughs> but they're struggling. They'll say this. Oh, I can quit anytime I want to. But can you want to? See, that's the kicker. I can quit anytime I want to, but can you want to? My dad often says this. He says, I can drink all the whiskey I want to drink. I can run with all the wild women that I want to run with. I can do any of that that I want to. I just don't want to. Now, by that, he does not mean that there is not a pleasure to our flesh in doing sinful things. There is pleasure in sin for a season. What he's saying is, I would rather have a home in heaven and I would rather have a relationship with the Lord Jesus and I'd rather have his blessings and his peace and his love and joy in my life than I would any of that kind of stuff. And because my desire is for God and the things of God, I don't want that. See, we need a healing at our want-to level. Now, Jesus asked the man, do I want to? And he didn't answer the question. He started making excuses. Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But see, it's not what you don't have. It's who you do have. He said, I don't have any man to put me in the pool. But he was talking to the man. What you do have today is you do have a Savior. You may have a whole list of things you don't have, advantages that you don't have, advantages that other people maybe have. I wasn't raised right. I didn't have, the, I didn't have enough money to do this. I didn't have enough education to do that. I'm not concerned today about what you don't have. I'm trying to give you what you can have, and that is Jesus is coming to you today and asking you, do you want to be made well? Yes, amen. amen. Give him a hand clap of praise. In fact, here's the thing that's so hard for us to figure out. Our weakness is a good thing. 
Because Paul said, in my weakness, he's made strong. Our inability makes room for his ability. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, he lists all of those things that are negative to us, that are positive in the kingdom of God. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those that grieve and mourn, because they're the ones going to be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus said that he had sent the, the full, the rich away empty, but he came to heal the sick. He came to save sinners. If you're full of sin today, you're a perfect candidate for the grace of God. For where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. The question is not whether or not there's power to heal you, to save you, to deliver you, to set free. Jesus said that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst. He is here today to meet your need, but the question that he's asking you is do you want to be made well? Are you sick and tired enough of being sick and tired? Are you willing to give up self? Are you tired of self? Are you tired of sin? Are you tired of Satan? So Jesus told him to do some things. First thing he told him to do was rise. Get up. The prodigal son, when he was in the pig pen, the Bible says he came to himself and he realized that things at home, even for the servants, were better than the, what he was experiencing. And so he said, I will arise and I will go back to my father's house. You gotta get up. There were four lepers that were sitting outside the wall city of Jerusalem, surrounded by the armies, uh, the enemies of Jerusalem. There was a famine and there was nothing to eat out in the uh, in the walled city, and they said to one another, why do we sit here till we die? The worst that can happen if we go to the enemy armies, they'll kill us, that's the worst. Maybe they'll feed us and clothe us. And as they were marching, I believe the Lord magnified the sounds of their footsteps so that those armies thought it was an army coming against them, and they fled and they walked into abundance. But it all started because they said, why are we just gonna sit here and waste away when we can at least make an attempt we can at least do something. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes you got to do something. Jesus said, get up, rise. And he said, take up your bed. Do you believe when that man was healed that he went through town that day with that bed on his back saying, I don't know why i got to carry this stupid bed. This old thing's heavy. He had been laying on that bed for 38 years. Do you think he even considered it a weight to carry his bed? Or do you think he was so thrilled to be walking that he didn't worry about the bed? See, that bed represented the thing that had him bound. It was the thing that had victory over him. Now he had victory over it. Now listen, Jesus said, if any man will come to me, let him pick up his cross, let him take up his cross, deny himself and follow me. Jesus didn't say, pick up my cross. Because the cross upon which Jesus died was not his cross. He had never sinned. It was my sin. It was your sin. It was our cross. That was our destiny to die alone without God, rejected by God and men. That was our destiny. Jesus 
took our place. And when he says, rise, take up your cross and follow me, he's saying to you that the sin that once had you bound, the sin that once had you under, the sin that once kept you from walking and breathing in freedom, now you've got the victory over that sin. And so Christians that feel like, you ever heard somebody say this? If I wasn't a Christian, I'd tell them a thing or two. Well, if you wasn't a Christian, you'd be the only way to hell. Thank God I am a Christian. It's not a burden. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I'm just so glad to be walking again that I don't worry about the weight of the cross that I bear. It was the one that healed me that says, rise up and take your bed and walk. And that's what he said. Rise up, take up your bed, and walk. It all starts with the first step. You've got to take the first step. And then you've got to be willing to obey. It was on the Sabbath day, and that man that was carrying his bed, there were religious people. That's the interesting thing about it, is when Jesus sets you free, it's not just lost people that are going to panic. It's religious people that aren't going to understand. He said, rise, take up your bed. As that man's carried his bed on the Sabbath day, some of the religious scholars said, you ought not to be carrying a burden on the Sabbath day. And I love what this man's answer was. He had just gotten free, but he already had more sense than they had. He said, all I know is this. I don't know a whole lot about your rules, but I do know this. The one that healed me is the one that told me to take up this bed and carry it. Are you willing to obey him? Now, that's, that's, that's the question. Are you willing? Do you want to be made whole? Well, maybe you're here today and you'd say, I'm not sure... I want to, but I want to want to. I'm not sure I want to, but I want to want to. Well, there's good news for you because here's what Philippians 2.13 says. It is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. One version said it is God who produces in you both the desire and the ability to do what pleases him. Someone else said, God is working in you to make you willing and able to obey him. We serve such a good God that he will not only make those well and whole who want it, if you'll just want to want it, he'll give you the want to want it. Isn't that a good God? That his spirit will move in you and cause you to desire the very thing that he wants to give you. So the question is this today. Do you want it bad enough to get up? Do you want it bad enough to take the first step? Do you want it bad enough to carry your cross? Do you want it bad enough to obey him? Now, I don't pretend to know what everybody's carrying here today. I know there are people here that are facing devastating news in their health some in their spouses or children's health. I know there are people here today that are under pressure in their businesses. And I know that there are people here today that are struggling with sin. That there are people here that need to be saved, set free. You're in the right place. You're here at the right time. Now the Lord asks you, do you want to be made well? Would you stand today? Father, in Jesus' name.
Lord, I'm asking you to move upon people and draw them to yourself. Fill this altar and pray and seek Him today. I'm here if you need.